The Bible is filled with stories that derive some deeper meaning relative to home, driven from home, welcomed home, leaving home, returning home. It's so often this kind of background, this, this invisible, overlooked, but important aspect of understanding what people are going through in the Bible because home matters so much to us. The opening verse of our gospel for this morning read as follows, and now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he, that is Jesus, withdrew to Galilee. The verb in Greek that gets translated into English here as, with, as withdrew, in this case, is anakoreo, anakoreo. So sometimes we can just take a, just a single word and kind of track it through uh, the scriptures and figure out how it's used in other places and we'll shed some light, uh, maybe add some layers of meaning for us. Uh, so as we look at anakoreo in, in the Gospels, it's typically used when there is movement from one place to another as the result of some danger. Uh, threatening circumstances. For example, after following the star to Bethlehem, remember the wise men, the magi, they anakoreo, they departed. They left by another way, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, because we know that Herod was up to no good. Jesus' parents, anakoreo, uh, there it is again, they fled into Egypt uh, in the Second chapter, after the angel warned them and they went away to Galilee. Again, Anakoreo went away into Galilee upon their return after a, a similar such warning. Jesus, Anakoreo from the synagogue, uh, after becoming aware that a threat against him uh, was brewing among the Pharisees. And later after hearing that John had been killed, Jesus, Anakoreo, he departed. Same Greek word, but translated differently into English. He departed to a deserted place to be alone. So it's clear in this opening verse. Now let me read it one more time. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, Jesus, Anakoreo, he departed, withdrew to Galilee. It's clear that this verse is doing more than marking time. It signals that John's arrest is fraught also for Jesus. It indicates some risk, some danger for Jesus, and Jesus must determine, decide how he's going to respond to the situation. There will come a time later to face such threats head-on, certainly upon his final entrance into Jerusalem prior to the crucifixion. But for now, Jesus pulls away in order to carry on his mission and his ministry in and around Galilee. For now, we can be sure that what happens following this anakoreo, this move away from home out into the world by Jesus will, will be filled with meaning. We should pay attention. Right after his baptism, we remember that Jesus was identified, was declared God's beloved son, and he was then immediately led out into the wilderness where he was tempted to doubt that identity. Kneel before me. The tempter said, and I will put you in charge of everything that you see. Imagine the just and fair and benevolent leader you could be, Jesus. Forget about feeding 5,000 with 
a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. Jesus, you could feed millions, huh? If you were the ruler of all that you see. But Jesus remembered who he had been declared to be. He believed who he was, and the tempter left him out there in the wilderness. In verse 11, just the verse before we get to our gospel passage today, and Matthew tells us that the angels came and waited on Jesus out there in the wilderness. And I always felt like this would have been, a, if I were Jesus, I would have just stayed there for a while. Jesus is always on the move, always in some confrontation. There he is out in the, out in the wilderness, and his needs are being provided by angels, whatever that looks like. I mean, it sounds like a, you're, no crowd, just sounds like a good place to stay. But as we follow Jesus through the Gospels, we, we are constantly reminded he's always on the move. Jesus gets the news about John's arrest in that first verse we've read, and Jesus decides it is time to on a corral. It is time to head back home. Back home. And this got me thinking as I sat with this scripture throughout the week about how, how often the reality of home really informs how we might understand and drive meaning from the Scriptures. It's, it's there as an underlying factor in so much of what we read in the Bible. Really, once you start seeing it, it's almost everywhere you look. You know, I, I started just ticking through stories and Scriptures in my mind. People are moving toward home or they're fleeing from home or they're already at home. I think of Mary and Martha welcoming Jesus into their home, the widow in Nain who's grieving the loss of her own son when Jesus arrives in her hometown to bring life and resurrection, the prodigal son, a story about departing from home and how the world can change you and then returning home and how things can be so different. Some of you have had similar experiences Jairus, the synagogue leader who comes and pleads for Jesus to come to my home where his daughter is dying or already dead, and Jesus again brings life. From Abraham and Sarah to the New Jerusalem in, in the book of Revelation, the Bible is filled with stories that derive some deeper meaning relative to home driven from home, welcomed home, leaving home, returning home. It's so often this kind of background, this, this invisible, overlooked, but important aspect of understanding what people are going through in the Bible because home matters so much to us. What does home mean to you? Home is so much more than an address, right? I've lived in South Minneapolis. I have no memory of that. I was a young kid. Later grew up in Bloomington and spent my college years in St. Peter. And I did a stint in Alaska for a year after seminary, uh, or just prior to seminary, and lived out in Philadelphia area for more than 20 years. And now here in Brooklyn Park for the past eight years. A lot of shorter stops in between. And, you know, every place that I've lived 
is part of who I am in small and, and, and some big ways. Like many of you, uh, we have kids who are in a stage of life where the idea of home shifts around. They move from dorm, which they call home, or a house in town near school, and then back to their old rooms and our house. So home shifts back and forth. By the time we get to this part of the gospel story, Jesus has established a new home really for the third time. After his birth in Bethlehem, the family must flee to Egypt and eventually back to Israel and to Nazareth. And today, a third move brings Jesus to the shores of the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. All of this constant motion and moving will continue throughout his ministry. Jesus surely knew what it felt like to be both an insider and an outsider, which is a part of the reality when, when we move, when our home changes from this place to that. You probably have experienced this. So Jesus calls a community of followers. As we watch him call people from their homes and lives and families. He's calling together communities of followers. His disciples didn't only relate one-on-one to Jesus. They related to one another. In fact, Jesus will tell them, they will know you're my disciples by your love one for another, by the community, the strength of the community, the love of the community. Why do you choose to be a part? of the community of faith in Christ, Christ's church. Why do you follow Jesus? From the beginning in the Gospels, everyone who follows does so for their own, their own reasons. We can see that. As the reputation of Jesus spreads, people who are suffering from various diseases and ailments, they surround him, they press in close, they hope to maybe even just touch the hem of his garment or to get Jesus to... To, to see them, they are looking for hope and they're looking for healing. As word about his miracles spread, there are crowds of curiosity seekers. I mean, I mean, how could there not be when you hear some of what Jesus has been doing out there? They were looking for works of wonder. They wanted to see it with their own eyes. They're looking for kind of some entertainment. As word of his wisdom as a rabbi spread, there were seekers like the rich young ruler, remember? Or Nicodemus, who comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness. They are looking for a way in. Jesus, you say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Well, here are all the things I've been doing. What else must I do? Maybe looking for a loophole? As his popularity increased, there were religious leaders who are threatened by the growing authority of Jesus among the people, and they come looking for a fight. Everybody comes to Jesus for their own reasons. This afternoon, uh, as soon as we're finished with this time of worship together, I will head home, grab my suitcase, go to the airport, and head off to Tanzania to visit our partners in ministry uh, there in East Africa. Those of you who have been blessed uh, to be a part of one of our uh, vision trips to Tanzania know that there is a strong sense of community 
among the churches in that beautiful and impoverished country. Most of the time, the parish, the church community is really the center of village life. And part of worship uh, each Sunday involves uh, uh, the uh, village chief or an elder uh, stepping forward to share a lengthy period of just kind of community announcements unrelated to the church because the church is the gathering place of the community. Now, you might think that when people such as us, you know, arrive from a world away, a country across the world, having arrived in some jumbo jet out of the sky, you might think that uh, we would be seen as sort of creatures from another planet. But as is always the case, and many of us at Prince of Peace have been blessed to experience it, we experience a, a warm, caring, loving welcome. In fact, when we go to worship on a Sunday morning, if we're going up to the church that we have a particularly strong relationship with, it's where the library is located that Prince of Peace has funded the construction of and filled with books. It's up the lower slopes of Mount Kilimanjaro, and, and sometimes making our way there on a Sunday morning involves getting stuck on muddy mountain roads and not getting there at 10 o'clock when worship starts. But regardless of how late we might be, when we arrive, even though the congregation is already seated and ready and waiting for worship, we are ushered into a side room where we sit quietly and are served tea and must be humbly received and welcomed into that community. Above the door of the, of the church, there's a word, and uh, over the years, some of my group in the early years used to be uh, confused that that was the name of, of the church. It says Kushieni. And so at a point in worship, they would often invite us all forward and have us introduce ourselves and be welcomed by the gathered congregation. And sometimes someone in my group would say something like, we are so happy to be here at Kushiani Lutheran Church. And I would notice that some of the Tanzanians would kind of giggle a bit because it's not the name of the church. The name of the church is Nkwesho Lutheran Parish. But that word is there above the front door of the church, and kushiani simply means come to me. It means welcome. It comes from the verse in Matthew's gospel where Jesus says, come to me all of you who are heavily laden or who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Welcome. In June, we were there in Tanzania, and I wanted our group to go up and visit the church as we always do, but it our schedule didn't allow for us to be there on a Sunday for a worship service. So I was a bit disappointed as we started off in our bus toward the climbing of the slopes to make our way up there that our group was going to have a little bit less of a rich experience because they are always so welcoming and joyful as we arrive. It was a Wednesday, not a Sunday, so there wouldn't be any worship service, likely no people. They would be way up the village roads or way down below in their small homes and huts because it was a Wednesday, not a Sunday. So at some point, uh, our bus was no longer able to make it up the final and steepest part of the way up to the church. We had to get out and walk. And though it was a Wednesday, the church had organized a welcoming party to get in the back of a four-wheel drive pickup and come down the mountain and greet us there uh, and then walk with us uh, 
lead us back up the mountain to the church, and we had a big surprise when we got there on a Wednesday just this past June. I just have a quick clip to show you. It's less than a minute, so let's take a look. So that's just a glimpse that goes on for a long time, and even I was shocked that so many had come out to welcome us. Kushiani, welcome. Come. Come be a part of the community. Uh, we are welcomed as brothers and sisters. There's a prayer that our family, my extended family, usually sings when we are together for Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner. Before we all eat, we uh, get in a big circle and hold hands. And then uh, my brother-in-law, Peter, who's in choir at his church in Chaska, has to start, so we start somewhere on the right key. Uh, and we sing a prayer that m many of you grew up with. There are, there's, some, there's actually some controversy over how this prayer should end. There are different versions, but here's the one that our family always goes with. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. These mercies bless and grant that we may strengthen for thy service be. I saw some of you mouthing it with me. You're doing the right version. Very good. I got reprimanded this morning by Leroy telling me I'd, that was wrong. <laughs> so, uh, different versions. Be present at our table, Lord. Be present. Be present with us, God. Emmanuel is God with us. Wherever we are, no matter how far away we are, no matter how alone we might feel, be present with us. This is the promise. Be present at our table, Lord. Be here and everywhere adored. And our God promises to do just that. No matter where we go, as the song we just sung, there is God with us. And because of that, we're always home. So you are home, claimed, chosen, forgiven, and now sent into a world. With this sending we hear week after week, go in peace of the Lord, thanks be to God. And if we, if we thought that that sending came straight from the New Testament, we might expect that that go, when we looked behind it, had been translated from the Greek word anakoreo, because we go into a world that is fraught with danger and brokenness and darkness and sinfulness. But we go because we are sent, first having been claimed, chosen, forgiven. We go into this world because we have been sent. So we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.